Hey who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. And this is not Adam, this is <laughs> Phil. And welcome to episode 189. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is... One never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do who fans? Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor Who related. As you can probably tell, my solo run has come to an end. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, another force within the Doctor Who podcasting community has come to my rescue. Hooray! Hey, hello, Phil. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, sir? Excellent. Yes, very well indeed. Very well indeed. Yes. Um, unfortunately, I haven't done anything too much Doctor Who related uh, so far this week. But uh, hey, it's only Wednesday. That's very true. Yeah, plenty exactly. of time yet. Yep. So, those of you that don't know, Phil. Phil comes from a ramshackle of a podcast, apparently. Yeah, that's how we describe ourselves, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, the Who's He podcast, which you would have seen rattling, rattling around um, the uh, iTunes and podcast networks all over the place for a, lot, a, a good while now. How long have you been doing uh, this for? It's over seven years now, crikey, actually. Crikey, crikey. Yeah. yeah, I don't know... Uh, I don't know how we've managed to keep it going, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> I have that same thought too, Phil, all the time. All the time. Uh, so tell us about um, who you are, why you started your podcast and so on. Um, well, I think basically for, for um, from the Doctor Who angle, I think the majority of um, us podcasters probably started off listening to things like Radio Free Scaro um, mm-hmm. back in the day because they were about the only um I'll say that they weren't the only Doctor Who podcast, but one of the more, the more well-known podcasts sure. yeah. um, at the time. So um, we had an idea to do a podcast, but n- not necessarily a Doctor Who podcast. It was actually going to be, um, originally the idea we had was to, um, the three of us was to uh, bring, it's like a news podcast, so we'd mm-hmm. have, bring a random news item um, to the show. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us would know what the other was bringing. Oh, nice. And we right. just, so we just uh, start discussing it. Um, but then... It, that sort of changed into um, actually sort of maybe talking about the the old ITC programs from the nineteen sixties, things like um, you know, like Man in a Suitcase and oh, right, right. Randall Popkirk Deceased. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, we tried doing that, but our um, our third and seldom heard podcast member Tony forgot to watch it one week. So we thought this is gonna be the shape <laughs> of things to come. So right. so we thought, right, what do we what do we know? Doctor Who. So we said, what well, well, what the hell we'll do what everyone else is doing, we'll do a Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> right. 
Right. So there you go. So so seven years later, um, it has sort of changed over, over the over the years. It was originally just a monthly podcast. We were just doing commentaries, and yeah. then it's turned into a weekly podcast. Um, and now we're um, every other week instead. So um, cool. mainly just to counter the fact there's not much who on the telly these days. Oh, I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so, news uh, is very dry as well at the minute. So. Oh yes, yeah. indeed, indeed. Chibnall runs a very very tight ship. Yes. Uh, so you're up to episode 300 now. Crikey. Yes, I say that that's what we've really sort of been up to um, recently. That just came out um, uh, this week, actually. So, um, yeah, it's sort of, I say 300 of the, um, I sound a bit like Big Finish here, actually, from our main <laughs> range, I should say. So. Oh, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because we do, we've done a few specials um, over the years as well. And also, I started doing uh, video podcasts. I've um, seen as yep. well. Yep. Yes. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So um, they're out on YouTube and also on, on our normal um, podcast feed as well. But that's more of a, so I can say that's more of a silo effort um, mm-hmm. on, on my part, really. But um, it's just something I've always been interested in, in, in doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also sort of muck around things like uh, green screen as yes. well, which, which are, yeah. So, um, so I've used a lot of that. And also doing now and again silly made up <laughs> characters as well. So, yeah, yeah. so oh, it's, it's a lot of fun for me. Well, it's the same for people watching it, but I find it a lot of fun. So. <laughs> no, it's really cool. So you guys can probably tell that Phil's been been around the block with podcasting, yes. should we say. Yes. So yes. Uh, thank you so much for, for jumping on board, mate. And, uh, so and, okay. Yeah, and keep me company. It's really cool. So I've listened to your podcast for ages. It was one of the first ones that, because we've only been going for, I say only, we've been going for about four years now, which yeah. is, well, Roughly half the time that you've been going to. So when, when I started out, it was um, the there was one you you interviewed a guy from that podcast a few weeks back, uh, James from the Doctor Who podcast. That's correct. Yeah. So it was that one, Radio Free Scaro. Um, there was another one. I can't remember the name of it. There was your one and a couple of others. And uh, yeah, so your voice was one of the first ones when I started listening because I found um, podcasts just th- accidentally through iTunes years ago. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is pretty good, this podcasting thing. I wonder if there's any Star Wars podcasts. Uh, you know, there's 50 Star Wars podcasts. And yeah, I thought, I can't be any Doctor Who podcast, surely. Did a search, <laughs> and there you all were. There was, you know, a good sort of half dozen of you that were already sort of in the flow of doing it. So Yes, exactly. I think when I, um, when I sort of, we first went live, um, there's, there's, and it's still going actually something called the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and, um, I think when I originally joined, there was about probably about 40 odd Doctor Who podcasts on there. Um, and after we came along, more and more followed, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of those original ones, and I think a lot of them are just sort of, um, fallen by the wayside, which is, um, um, a pity. Most of them are listened to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, um, I think people's interest in the show, comes and sort of ebbs and flows really um and plus the fact i think real life gets in the way to be honest that's and that's and that's one of the reasons why we've now gone every other week is to sort of give us a bit more time to watch what we're going to review or read or read what we're going to review right, you know right. so yeah just gives us a bit bit of a bit of breathing space yeah no region yeah yeah um, and so when i listened to one of your shows recently uh, that one with james actually when you were yes you guys were talking about Doctor Who podcast in general, and is it still relevant, mm-hmm. and so on? Um, so what was your sort of final view on that? Because I think when you very first kicked off the interview with James, you said something like, "You know, is 
you know, podcasting was a very big thing for Doctor Who back in the day. Maybe yeah. there were more of them, if you know, a few years back. Oh, yeah, there certainly were. Yeah. Certainly were. And yeah. your kind of uh, theme for that interview was, you know, is it, you know, is it relevant today? Should people, you know, start a Doctor Who podcast possibly? Or is it worth doing sort of thing? What was your, I didn't, I didn't hear a definitive yes or no at the end of there. Do you think it's still well, a thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's still, I think we sort of agreed at the end that it's, 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 it's still a thing, but whether it's still a thing in its current format. Right. Right. Where, uh, where people will, like we're doing there, we're sitting there recording where you, you'll edit all together, put out an RSS feed, put it loaded up to iTunes. Um, I think it will still be, it'll still be there, but maybe just, more sort of like more like um, like you can live stream stuff over Facebook now, right? Things like that. So because um, obviously when we started, things like Twitter and, and Facebook were really still in their infancy <laughs> and uh, not really swamped as, as it is as it is now. It used to be a really really useful commun- uh, communication tool to getting your voice out there, um, but now I found um, it's not quite as useful as it used to be i think right. facebook certainly is but twitter no there's so much uh how can i put it so much noise mm-hmm. on twitter um yeah, i think it's difficult to to get your voice heard yes above everyone else really it's difficult yeah. to cut through the noise as you it say. is yeah 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 unless you're already well established mm-hmm. uh i think you know people like uh say radio free scaro for argument's sake they've been there since you know since the inception of podcasting yeah. basically you yeah. know um, so yeah, that they they've already got a, a massive fan base and they've got you know thousands and thousands of followers, mm-hmm. you know. So um, so I think once you're there, you got your foot in the door. It's at the beginning. I think you're okay, but sort of like people like I know we're going seven years, but I still feel like a, a bit of a Johnny come lately <laughs> compared to some of the others, you know. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So but even after seven years, I think it, it's still dif- it's still difficult to um, sort of like to to get your voice heard. Yes. You know, so yeah. so I think I think I think podcasting will be there, but it will, you know, I think it might evolve into something else. Hmm. Interesting, you say that, yeah. Because I asked, um, I did like an opinion thing on Twitter earlier today, actually, yeah. asking people if they wanted to see any more sort of additional content, as mm. well, you know, alongside the weekly show or the articles that we put out. Yeah, and pretty much everyone said, "Yep, live streaming, videos, that kind of thing." So, yeah, it's definitely, yeah. I think because uh, I think you've you're doing it the right way. I think if by running these video shows alongside your regular podcast, yeah, um, yeah, I think that's the right way to do it. And possibly one day they sort of overlap. You'd find you if you're really into the video stuff, you might do more of that. And yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the one I did actually ask um, um, our listeners because I was putting out the video stuff, and originally it was only on YouTube. I'd stop at our own YouTube channel. Okay, and. Um, it wasn't as getting as many views as I would have expected, to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, or hoped rather. Uh, and when I sort of put the question out there, you know, is anybody interested in this? And a lot of response I got back from long-term listeners of the podcast saying, well, um, some just said, no, it doesn't interest me or, um, well, I don't get time to watch live streaming things. I like to download okay. things and listen to it when they can. Mm-hmm. So at that point, that's when I decided to um, upload them to our normal podcast feed, right. and right. and I've had a uh, we've had a lot more views or downloads um, using that medium instead. Okay. Funny enough, yeah, because again, YouTube's another crowded marketplace. <laughs> Absolutely, um, yep. yeah, and 
I think from my point of view, because I was put in, I, I spend a lot of time, so I, I, I write it, film it, um, mm-hmm. edit it all together, um, then sort of put it out there. And it takes a, a lot of time. That's why I only do one every, you know, one every couple of months, you know, if I'm, if I'm lucky. Right, right. Um, so to, to put that effort into it, I want people to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because on YouTube, people are more interested in watching somebody fall off a skateboard or something. <laughs> <laughs> they, they will get millions of hits. That's all that someone having a nasty accident. Right, you know, that's right. People want to, you know, want to look at. So um, kids today, Phil. Hey. I know <laughs> they're bored today. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. I know, I know what you're trying. Yeah, it's a very crowded. Because we were talking about the number of people doing Doctor Who podcasts. There's a huge amount of people doing Doctor Who YouTube stuff, like you, uh, Hootubers, as they're called. Yeah, um, yeah there's a, a huge amount of. Uh, and I find um, people running Doctor Who YouTube channels all the time. I mean, there I came across one the other day. There was a lad. Um, I can't remember the name of the YouTube channel. It was, um, the, the name of the channel was Torchwood Related. I think his name was Torchwood Boy. I think that was the name of the channel. And uh, I'd never heard of him before, never seen any of his videos. But he's been going for like four years. He's got like, you know, I don't know like 10,000 subs and got half a million wow. views across his videos. And I think, wow, there's still loads of content out there that I've never even seen before, but it's clearly going strong. So, Oh yeah. 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 I think, I think if you look at a lot of the, the doctor who content on there, um, it's, there's an awful lot of like review stuff, mm. um, on there. And I think that the thing with, with YouTube, you've got to be so careful with the copyrighted content. I mean, you, I mean, right. use anything from the BBC really at your peril. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and where I because I frequently use clips, um, and the amount of times you've infringed the copyright, and they let you continue to use it, um, but at the end of the day, it, that's not going to be seen across the globe. It's still going to restrict it in certain oh, countries yeah. Yeah. or regions. So um, so whatever I do now, I, I, <laughs> I put it out as a privately so no one can see it publicly see what if i get any flags come up ah, then, right. then then i have to go and edit those clips down further so if you there's i've got this thing that is the um the fair use rule the usually it's around about 30 seconds oh, okay what, right. I, what i found with a lot of bbc content if you're going to use it about 20 seconds oh, i see it's, it's about right. you know, before you before you get a, a copyright flag that's oh, what i say yeah but i think if you talk over it if you put a commentary over the top, then I think it's a bit different because it's right. it's not in its in its pure form, as it were. So, but um, if I'm going to show a clip, it's usually to illustrate something. Mm-hmm. So I tend not to talk over it. Right. Sorry. So, and, that's, and that's probably why I get into trouble with the copyright. <laughs> get in trouble. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good yeah. tip, though. Let me just write this down. Thank you. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. Okay. So tell us about how you got into a bit of putting you on the spot a little bit, but if tell us yeah. about how you first got into who, I guess before the way before you started podcasting, you ever, you ever dreamt about doing a podcast? What got you into when you, when was your first who experience? Who's your doctor? Well, was, well um, it's funny really, because really I, so I grew up in the, in the seventies and I, 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 I was, I was born in, in 1970 and I suppose I should by right say my doctor is, is Tom Baker, but it's not, it's actually John Pertwee because okay. it's my, it's my first memory of watching Doctor Who, and also my first one of my first moments of watching television. Full stop. Oh, nice! Right, actually, um, and it was actually um, I, I couldn't tell what episode it was, but it, it was the it was what an episode from the Green Death. Maggots. Maggots. Right, yes. Right. So that's what I can clearly remember were um, were the maggots, okay. and then 
so and I can remember things like um like the monster of Peladon and things things like that. It's always mm-hmm. remember Alpha Centauri when I was a kid. Um I can remember um Planet of the Spiders, vividly remember that one. Oh nice and, right. and per, re, per regenerating into Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I can always remember those things. Um so but but I I think since that point I was always fascinated by Pertwee. Okay. Um and when the first um I was a Doctor Who Weekly came out, mm-hmm. of which is probably late seventies, early I think it's late seventies, that one with Tom Baker on the front with the with the Dalek. Oh yes. Yep. They did a little article on John Pertwee on there and they described it as uh, James Bond style action. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. okay. <laughs> okay. I suppose in in a funny way it's true because he did the the, the Venusian Aikido. He was oh, a man yeah. of action. Yeah. Yep. The gadgets and that, you know that kind of thing. So um yeah, so ever since then, also I want to know more about Pertwee. So um, mm. I think the, the first video I went ever bought when I, when I sort of could afford my own video player, or, or recorder rather. That, this dates this dates <laughs> me crying. VHS. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was Day of the Daleks was the first VHS I I, I bought out of my own pocket. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. So it's uh, yeah. So I was always been fascinated by by Pertwee, but I used to go to the library and get all the Target books, usually Pertwee related mm. ones as well, because they were never repeated back then. It was that the target books were the only access you had to old who stories. Right. I read you. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why I just, I just, you know, absorbed them really. Nice. Okay. I really, yeah. That's cool. So did you pick up, um, Dr. E magazine last month then? Cause that was a poetry special. Do you know what? With with the Doctor Who magazine, I, I'm very, very sporadic when it comes to, comes to reading that. Snap. Um, it's, yep. Yeah, it's one of those things. If I happen to be, um, if I go on, on a long journey or something, from mm-hmm. right, I'll, I'll pick up a magazine and oh, I'll get Doctor Who monthly. You know, so mm-hmm. um, that that's what I would usually do. But I, I don't. I'm not a subscriber. Put it that way. Yeah, I read you. So Adam subscribes and he gets it oh, right. every month yeah. without fail, and it gets thrust through the uh, post box. It's always ripped and bent and, <laughs> and all the rest of it, which he complains about. But I'm exactly the same. I pick it up, sort of. Yeah, especially if I'm going on a journey, if I'm travelling, I. I'll have it. Yeah. Or if there's an an article that I really want to, so the last one I picked up I think was the McCoy edition, which is a few months back, shortly after yeah. they changed editor and stuff. But yeah, so apparently there was a good poetry interview in the last month. Oh so, right, okay, yeah, okay. I might just if I can uh, track that one down then. Yeah, actually, yeah. especially something new as well, because obviously. It, Usually, you know, everything about Pertwee's now been heard or, or read, really. So if anyone's got any sort of uh, fresh insight mm. into him and, and, his, and his time on the show, um, then, then, yeah, I'm, I'm there. Yeah, I'm there go for it. Yeah. yeah. I think they're having a bit of a classic run at the minute because last month was Pertwee. This month it's Tom Baker. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, really, I think that there's been a lot of um, a, a kind of a, a backlash from – the old fans, I'll probably say something like the, the, the middle-aged fans like myself, really, who, who don't like the, the the changes that have been made to Doctor Who monthly. Um, and at the moment, I can't really comment on that because I haven't read it. So, True. you know. Yeah. yeah. I think I know what you mean. Is this the time team? Uh... The time team, yes. yes. They, they think that their demographic is not being um, represented, um, you yes. know, but... Yep. But really, that there are, if you want your demographic to be represented, there are other ways, uh, you know, like blogs, podcasting. Yes. You know, you know, if you if you want to get your opinion out there, there are other ways to do it rather than just hassle 
some people working at a magazine. A magazine yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah, that's quite interesting when that all sort of kicked off on Twitter. Cause as the last yeah. thing I expected to happen really, cause, uh, for the last, I don't know, not that I read it that regularly, but the last sort of year, I suppose people have been asking for some improvements or updates of the magazine and then yeah. they start doing it and then there's a big backlash and it's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Yep. Well, I say you, you can't please everybody all of the time, you no. know, that, that, you know, that old adage, but, um, but I think that's one of the, one of the, the, the sort of pitfalls of social media really, because it's that instant, um, whinge you could get out there you can make your voice heard um and it's not always constructive uh-huh. um either um it's just like an instant download from your brain basically and there's not there's no real sort of thought process True. goes yeah. into it with a lot of people they just say the first thing that comes into their minds um and it can be you know um offensive or um some people just do it to spark debate or you know um which is sometimes good, but sometimes it just descends into a slanging match yeah. and it gets yes. very abusive. Seen you know, a few uh, of those. Yes. <laughs> um, I think, and it's very, you know, people are very brave sitting behind a keyboard doing that kind of thing. Um, I just might, makes you wonder if they would do that if they were sitting opposite someone. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. We'll leave it there. Yes, indeed. We'll leave that Before one there. Before I say something inflammatory. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Before we move on to news and so on, yeah, and we'll recap this at the end as well. But where can people find you online and etc.? Yeah, okay. Um, well, you can. Um, our website is um, www.who's-he-podcast.co.uk. Um, if you search for us on iTunes, you can find us there as well. Um, you can also find us um, on uh, YouTube if you Google Who's He um, Video Podcast, uh, and we're on Facebook. Who's the podcast? We've got a, um, a group and a, and a page, and you'll also find us on Twitter as well. And our handle is who's underscore he underscore podcast. Lovely. Okay. Thank you very much. Let's land it. Free, free advertising <laughs> over. Yes. No, no worries, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's land this and we'll uh, see what's going on. First up, something interesting has kicked off in the streaming world uh, yesterday. If you're listening to this on uh, on Friday, we're recording this on Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday the 30th. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday yeah. the 30th. So yesterday, Tuesday the 29th, uh, the Classic Who Marathon uh, kicked off over on the streaming platform Twitch. Uh, so it started with the um, with Hartnell's era, An Unearthly Child, and it's continuing tonight. So they're playing, I think they're playing three stories a night, I think. Um, okay. Yeah. And uh, this was sort of came out of nowhere, really. So the last thing that I expected Twitch to do, um, any of our listeners that are not aware of uh, what Twitch is, it's essentially um, a live streaming platform predominantly for gamers. So you'll, you'll see a lot of video gamers um, uh, streaming their gameplay and and all that on there. Um, and they have on occasion in the past, they've done these sort of um, presenter shows or um, they've hosted sort of similar things. But it just seems to me like classic Doctor Who is the last thing that I'd expect to see on a very modern uh, streaming platform like this. I would have thought they would have gone in with modern Who from sort of Eccleston onwards, but... Uh, it seemed to have gone down really well. When I looked at it, I watched An Unearthly Child last night when that kicked off. And mm. uh, I think about halfway through, it was streaming to about, I don't know, 18,000 viewers. 
Um, oh, right. Okay. okay. Which is really good for, you know, a, a gaming platform, essentially. It's not really sort of designed for, well, I say not designed. It's not, I, I don't think the, um, the, uh, the mission statement when they first launched it was to stream, you know, 60s and 70s TV programs. No, so. exactly, exactly. I mean, it's, it's a good thing they've done it, though, because um, obviously, you know, new, new Who, um, it's available currently um, available on Netflix. So I understand that's shortly coming to an end. I, I, don't, I, so. I know certainly in the US, I'm not too sure about the UK, but I know that yeah. that's coming to an end. Um, but as regards to sort of like classic Who, um, you only had the, uh, about a year or so ago, it's not longer than that now, really. Was the Horror Channel? Oh uh, yeah, UK. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. they they were showing classic Who, but they did tend to um, stick to a lot of the colour ones. To be honest, sort of like late, yeah. later seventies and eighties Who. Um, but that was really that was only if you didn't have the DVDs. That was the only place you could get your classic Who fix, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see this pop up um, on Twitch, uh, it's. As you say, it's un- it's very unusual, hmm. very unusual, um, yeah. and you probably say probably might not be the the target audience, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, gamers, but um, no, fine. I mean, you know, if it's a success, I mean, hopefully, was it five hundred episodes they're going to stream? That's on his right. Audience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, let, let's hope it's successful. Really, oh, I mean, I hope you know, so. just, yeah, yeah, just to prove more than anything else that you know. Um, Modern audiences aren't just interested in modern television. That's right, and I hope it does sort of spark an interest in uh, Twitch as not just solely for video gamers, but they can run these things because I can imagine some really cool, maybe like a Blake Seven run through, or you know, some mm-hmm. of those older shows. I think they are trying. I think the the one of the reasons behind it is for them to uh, to sort of branch the platform out so it doesn't feel like a little contained bubble of just you know, teenage gamers over here in this part of the world are doing their own thing. Yeah. I think they're trying to, because I think over the years, I don't want to go too deep, but I think over the years, the sort of the, the classic television model has changed over the oh, years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not yes, just those yeah. terrestrial channels. It's now, you know, with Netflix and Amazon prime video and, and all that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. sky catch up, it is very much more of a, you don't just sit down, you don't look in the radio time to when something's on. And then you make sure you're on the sofa to watch it and that's it, or, or you've missed it. Yeah it's, uh, yeah. it's constantly evolving. And I think Twitch are trying to grab a little a little nugget of that um away from the big mm. streaming services. So um Yeah. The guy that that set it all up or sort of spearheaded this, I suppose, uh, essentially said uh they're always looking at new ways to reach new audiences and make it easier for fans to engage with popular shows. And he says, Doctor Who in particular has a great tradition of pioneering new technologies from early Mm -hmm. VHS, Phil, uh, all the way through to the new (laughs) digital services of today. And it says Twitch is another example uh, as a brilliant service that they can reach over 15 million active daily users. So if there's that many people that are on it already, why not, you know, shove a bit of classic Who down their throat? Yeah, precisely. Uh, Sounds almost like force feeding them, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One (laughs) one thing that is quite strange, though, is um, alongside Twitch, you also have the real-time chat that goes with it. So that can be a little bit bit strange for Classic Who. So for for video gamers, it's very much a case of they're chatting about what the the streamer's talking about and what's happening in the Mm -hmm. game. To have 
a, a chat run alongside Classic Who is very surreal. So there's people yes. that are chiming in every second, like, oh, you know, what's Hartnell doing? And, you know, why is William Russell doing this? And it, it's very strange, but uh, it's, a, it's a fun experience. Yeah, so it could be quite entertaining you know, trying to catch some of those comments as they as they pop up, actually. So yeah. it's almost like a running commentary. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, so as Phil said, it's running uh, from... Uh, it's running 500 episodes, so it's most of Classic Curious, not quite all of it. Um, strangely, I'm, I'm not sure that they're doing the Five Doctors, and there's another couple that they're not doing. I'm not sure why, but uh, it's oh, most that a right, rights issue or something, is it? Probably, or? yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it normally is. Yes, yeah. it indeed, indeed. Uh, next bit of news before we move on to merch then. Um, what did you think of class, Phil? Be honest. Well, um, honestly... I actually, I, was, I think I was one of the few that actually liked it, to be honest. It wasn't, okay. um, it wasn't um, perfect, mm-hmm. on a stretch of imagination, but I think that there was enough there um, to build on. So when it got uh, cancelled, I was sort of kind of, I, I, I sort of guessed it was really because the way um, the BBC treated it, really, there was hardly any um, promotional material for it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it did make it onto terrestrial television, they buried it and, and were putting out double episodes in one night. And I think yeah. it really seemed like in a hurry to get it over and done with, mm-hmm. um, which I think was a which I think was a shame. Um, I think it has been commented on, and I kind of agree. If you're going to have a spin-off show from like the, you know from the parent show, it usually features characters from the parent show, like Torchwood did for right. argument's sake. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in this the the spin-off that you know that the main character from from this character from Doctor Who was Cole Hill School, really. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that, true. Yeah. That, yeah, that that was the carryover. So so you had all the characters in it that had nothing to do with with Who previously, <laughs> and obviously you had Peter Capaldi turned up in the first episode to sort of like say yes, this is legit. This is in the Doctor <laughs> Who universe. Yeah. Um, but after that, if they were left to you know to stand on their own on their own feet, and I don't think it, it went to some interesting. Interesting places, and I, I thought it, it was. It kept me interested from the point of view. I'm in my mid forties, and this isn't targeted at my age group at all. Mm-hmm. This this is targeted at, at, at young adults. So it's all it's featuring sort of like the, the sort of young adult, adult issues and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But I still found it a really really entertaining series. Okay, okay, yeah, cool, okay. Yeah, so Adam and I have uh, spoken at length about our dislike for class. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, yes, and I, I always try very, very hard not to kind of slam it too much because, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was a, it, it was a, they had a go at it. Essentially, it was, um, you know, there wasn't much going on in the way of who other than the. I mean, we know we have big finish that sort of trickle along nicely in there. Yeah, always putting stuff yeah. out but in terms of mainstream there wasn't anything going on with who uh, you know other than the main the main series because gone are the days yeah. where you had torchwood and sarah jane so on that were out on the the standard you know uh popular channels should i say yeah, uh, yeah. so they gave it a go it's just uh for me i'll be honest with you it was the the writing and the characters it just seemed and i you know i'm like a broken record with this but it, it felt it felt <laughs> to me like um like it should have been, I, I, I almost wish they would have developed it into its own standalone universe. It felt like it was sort of shoehorned into Doctor Who unnecessarily, and uh, 
I don't know. It, it felt like the they mm. they had to have the big epic cameo from Capaldi, like you say, yeah. just to make it seem legit that it's Doctor Who. And then after that, it sort of went on its merry way and didn't really reference enough from the Who universe, really. It seemed to want to be its own thing, but was almost constrained by, you know, the shackles of being Who. Whereas I think if they developed it as its own new entity, if Patrick Ness would have, you know, know, taken it away from Who, then it might have had a bit of a chance. But I think fans were so desperate to see just a little bit more from the Who universe fed into it. You know, I, I don't know, but it, yeah, I yeah. think I mean, I mean, obviously, if you take something like um, like Torchwood, I mean, that really did stand on its own two foot. All you had from that was really Captain Jack. Yeah. Um, we 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 knew from that point of view it was set in the Who universe, but there wasn't a lot of I can put sort of content carried over from Who into that series. So it did stand. Or, on occasion, stand on its own. I'm not a massive Torchwood fan, if I'm right. um, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, but I think this is what they kind of did with with class. But it didn't. I think the the problem was it didn't have a Captain Jack. I think right, if if, right. It, if it had that character that carried over from Who into the spin-off, I think maybe people might have accepted it a bit more. Because I, th- I think, right, as you said, as right. we as we said, that the Capaldi cameo was to make it le- legit. This is the Who universe. It's in Coal Hill School, which is previously seen in Doctor Who, but <laughs> yeah. that was it. You know, right. that, that was it really. So all the characters after that first episode were class characters. They weren't from from Who at all. So, um, so I, I, I think I think it was it was a it was a you know a, a brave thing to do. Um, it was, I thought I thought it was interesting, um, and I think it, it did deserve to um, to carry on in its in its TV form, but. Um, but it's going to be carried out in a, in a different format, isn't it? Yes, indeed. So uh, yes. if you were a fan of class, Phil, as you clearly yes. were, um, yeah. and you you probably guessed this from a while off now, but um, big finish <laughs> of Scooped Up Class. And we'll be putting out a couple of stories, uh, well, six stories across two six volumes. Six stories, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, kicking off in August, which is not too far away, a few months. And uh, yeah, so it's coming back. I mean, a lot of people did say that when it was cancelled. A lot of people, you know, immediately said, "Well, big finish will probably pick this up and and, and run with it for a while," which uh, which they've they've done. Um, yeah. And I was going to when you mentioned earlier that they needed somebody to carry over into class. I couldn't mm-hmm. really think of anybody in sort of newer who that could do it. And I, you know, mm. what about a previous companion? How would that work out? And uh, lo and behold, got Ace. Yes, that now that did surprise me. Actually. Me too. Yes. Yeah, that did surprise me. But nice. um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, I, a surprise. I, it's a surprise, but I think it's a good call. To be honest, absolutely. Yes, because I think I think that's what that's what class actually needed, and um, considering um, what what the, the intentions were for Sarah Jane Avengers, had it had it continued, they were going to introduce Ace. Um, in, yeah. into the into the story, um, and basically, they, they big fishes just picked that uh, that that idea and introduced that character into into a different spin off show. Um, and I, I think it could work. I'm, I'll be really interested to hear it. Really will be. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I th- I think that class, if, if it's going to work anywhere, it'll be big finish because they do have a reputation of. Um, really making things that weren't necessarily fan favourites and making them work really well on audio. 
Yes. So I, yes. you know, I, I, I'm not really one for lists or, you know, over popularity or anything like that. But, you know, the I would say that out of all of classic Who, there are a couple of doctors that aren't always viewed in the best light as some of the more popular ones. So, yeah, Colin Baker, for example, um, is just brilliant in you know in, in his big finish stories. Yes, really, he really is. good. Yeah. yeah, I think if, if there's any sort of detractors of of Colin Baker's um, who output on television, I mean, I'd seriously advise you to, to go and listen to his big finish output because it, it's how he wanted to play the Doctor. Yes, basically. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, and and you can obviously you don't have to look at that horrible costume he, he was he was made <laughs> to wear as well. And I, I know that's something else he didn't like as well, so he, he did envisage this horrible patchwork quilt of, a, of an outfit he had to wear so um but um i say we, we just recently because we, we, we reviewed big finish on, on the podcast but we we're not really up to date because we're um both us myself and paul we're very sort of latecomers to, to big finish yes me too. Me too. yeah so we're playing we're reviewing some very very old stories mm-hmm. um and we just in, um, reviewed the uh, the marion conspiracy which was um introduced a sixth doctor compelled big finish sixth doctor companion um evelyn Smythe, oh yeah who yep. is, yeah who is um i listened to that's about the third story we've listened to with with that character um and she's now my favorite who companion oh nice right yeah i, I think the character's wonderful i really do and a really good foil for for colin baker's doctor mm-hmm. and i think that's what big finish do they, they don't just stick to established characters they will introduce their own mythology into it as well sure. but at the yeah. same time trying to keep it i hate using that word canon but yeah <laughs> but, but trying to keep trying to keep the continuity and, and the canon there really yeah, yeah. but in their own mythos to it and and i think what they've been doing is is utterly brilliant and but they've, they've also extended that out to so many other different things as well um <laughs> i think that they're not even doing like star cops now as well aren't they yeah just recently they've put that yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, they've done like things like Saffron Steel, and I think they did um, like some old 2000 AD stuff years ago, like Judge Dredd and uh-huh. Strontium Dog, and things like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's a veritable cavalcade of, <laughs> of content they've got. It really is. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm and what they've done. I haven't listened to any of the Torchwood stuff recently, but by all accounts, it's really, really good. It is. Yeah, the recent one, yeah. the Torchwood, the um, uh, Torchwood Believe. The latest mm. story is very, very good. Really, yeah. right, top-notch writing, and um, yeah, worthy of um, sort of TV stuff, really. If not, if mm. not better. Um, yeah. So I would say because my my personal view was class just didn't have the solid writing behind it, more so for the characters yeah. than anything else to um uh, to to sort of flesh them out enough and you know make the viewer sort of connect with them and have empathy and so on. I really believe that the, the writers of Big Finish have the ability to do that. You know, yeah. You know, in, in some cases, you know, better than some of the TV writers. So I'm with you on that one. I think it, it could be really good on Big Finish. Yeah. And, uh, f- fingers crossed it is. Fingers yes. crossed. Yeah. yeah. And the inclusion of Ace as well. You know, she's such a cool, popular companion from Classic. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of people that don't like Ace. Um, yeah, so precisely. Yeah, I think it should be good. So um, it's just simply called Class: The Audio Adventures, um, and as we said, it's over two volumes, starting in August, and uh, I, I assume it will be up for pre-order in the next month over on Big Finish. So uh, yes, no doubt. No look doubt. forward to seeing what's going on with that. Yes, 
Indeed. Right, that's going to do for news. Let's get our metal friend in, see what he's got. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. So there's a new fan e-zine uh, that's just gone up uh, for sale. Um, have you heard of this before, Phil? Utopia? Hootopia, sorry. Uh, do you know what? I haven't. And I'm I'm actually sort of secretly pleased that there's still like fan production mm. magazines out there, really. That sort of it's almost um sort of underground, if you know what I mean. Like like the old fa- like the fanzines of old, yes. really. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. got that vibe about it, hasn't it? It's, yeah. Uh, I, I hadn't heard of this either until uh, I think we spoke about it briefly ages ago. I'm not sure how often they put uh, an issue out, but uh, we spoke about issue 31. I can't remember when it was out. It's a while ago. And I had, I'd never heard of it before that. Um, mm. But it's actually quite cool. So what they do is um, it, it's, uh, it's an, it's an e-zine, so it's a digital only PDF kind of thing. Uh-huh. And yeah. um, they pack it with so much stuff. Um, there was a sim. There was a a, a a magazine, a fan-made magazine, I think, that was out at some point last year. You might have picked it up. It was called Warp. Yes, it, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was a really yeah. thick, packed to the rafters, content-wise mm. magazine. It was a bit like sort of twenty-five issues of Doctor Who magazine all in one. <laughs> and uh, this is a, that's same- like a typical fan scene. Don't know when to stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like submission after submission. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is exactly the same thing, but it's just in digital format only. Mm. And the way that they sort of market themselves is it's um, it's uh, it's um, it's a magazine by fans for the fans. Yeah. Um, so they rarely sort of venture into anything that's too mainstream if you like you know mm-hmm. don't yeah. rarely yeah. do you see an interview with somebody that's actually in modern who or you know stuff like that but they do manage to bag a few interviews that are people that are involved with the show um okay. yeah. and um yeah pretty good so a few of the things that are available in this issue that's i think it's only just gone um or is about to go um live uh where are we oh no you can get it now so it's just coming out now yeah um yeah it's uh it's a fiver basically um and you can buy it through the website i'll give you a, a link in the show notes for it and uh yeah it just seems to be loads of stuff so just to pick a few things out uh douglas adams and doctor who so uh this is a look at um all of the novelizations um from douglas adams and his work uh with doctor who um uh, there's a review of the Series 10 finale, The Doctor Falls. Now, what I find interesting about that is it's not timely, so they weren't really no, bothered about, no. you know, catching the um, the wave, if you like, when it was out. So they've gone back and re-looked at that. Um, there's a couple of people looking at Twice Upon a Time as well. There's um, uh, a review of This Town Will Never Let Go, um, where they look at the... Um, the Lawrence Miles Faction Paradox novel. Um, there's a, re- a review of the book Script Doctor by Andrew Cartmel, which is a great book. Um, there's audio archives. There's looking at all the covers from some of the um, uh, uh, Hamish Crawford, um, looking at all the book cover artworks for Doctor Who over the years. Um, there's a review of the class novels. There's um, a look back at the gunfighters. So, as you can probably tell, they just take a range of 
themes and ideas from Classic Who mm-hmm. and New Who, and they're not really bothered about if it was, you know, something that came out last week or that in the last series, whatever. They'll just yeah. look at anything that takes their fancy. So it's essentially just Who fans writing about what they like, you know, or if they feel like they've yeah. got an opinion on something, it doesn't have to be recent. And uh, yeah, so I, th- I think this looks really good. I picked the last one up. And it took me quite a while to read through it. It was packed for the content. I think this one's going to be the same. And uh, yeah, so it's a fiver. And it's out now. I'll put a yeah. link somewhere, but yeah. Oh, good. I say, you know, it's um, just reading, you know, what, what you know what's in this issue. Um, it does, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to get through. So hmm. yeah, like you say, it sounds like a, on the face of it, it sounds like a fiver well spent. Yeah. And yeah. it's only a fiver. It's not too bad. I mean, if you think about it, a single issue of Doctor Who magazine is what, 5 99 now? Something, Something like, like, that. like yeah. that, yeah. And this yeah. has got, you know, like five times the amount of stuff in it, so. Yeah. Not too Good. bad. And lastly, speaking of Doctor Who magazine, <laughs> <laughs> the new one's about to launch. You know, I think subscribers have got it, some of them have got it through their letterbox today. Otherwise, you'll be able to pick it up yesterday if you're listening to this on Friday, a.k.a. today. Yeah. A little bit timey-wimey, but yeah. <laughs> that wasn't confusing, no. <laughs> no. So, yeah, uh, issue 526 uh, is is hitting the shelves now, and it's a Tom Baker special, which is pretty good, because I'm liking the classic run with Doctor Who magazine at the moment, because um, there's naff all to talk about. <laughs> from <laughs> well, that's not got much choice, really, hasn't <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, they're on the ropes a little bit with content at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as I mentioned earlier, last month was the John Pertwee uh, special. This one's the Tom Baker. I've no idea what they're going to do next month. It's probably going to be. I'd, they haven't done a Hartnell one for a while um, or a Troughton one, so that might follow, something like that. But uh, yeah, because, you know, as we said earlier, you and I don't sub to this, but uh, we pick it up now and then. Um, but I think, yeah, this one might be quite cool because I, I really like it when Who magazine doesn't focus only on Capaldi or yeah, um, exactly. Or, or Jodie yeah. Whittaker. I like it when they sort of dive back into the archives and um, and have a look. And this has actually got a new interview with Tom Baker as well. So it's not just yeah. a case of they've resurfaced a load of old stuff. So um, Rehash quotes and yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's quite cool. And it'll also be interesting to have a look at this new uh, time team. Yes, thing. indeed. That's, indeed. That's kind of <laughs> that's, that's divided opinion. Yes. So, hmm. They've also got a, a little preview for the upcoming Blu-ray. So have you seen this, Phil, this Series 12 Tom Baker Blu-ray set that's up for pre-order? Yes, I have indeed. I have indeed. Um, I, I, so I, I, shall be get, I, I shall be getting it. I won't be getting it as soon as it comes out um, because I've already got all the episodes, but um, all the stories on DVD. But um, it is on my on my wish list, put it that way. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to have a little read up on that as well. So yeah. I'm tempted by this one. Um, I might pick this one up. Yeah. Because um, also got um, um, an article on uh, Robert Holmes as well. Um, yeah. So it's essentially focusing a lot on season 12 here. It was Tom Baker's first season because it's, um, it's also got an interview with Roger Murray Leach as well, who is the production designer for season 12. It's uh, something called the Holmes Master Plan. Oh, um, yes. Yep. yes, about uh, the script of Robert Holmes for season 12. Also, Kevin Lindsay, um, who played the Sontaran Steyer in the Sontaran Experiment. So there's an article about his uh, life and career mm. as well. So, um, 
and also um, an untold story about Doctor Who led a marketing campaign for tea bags in 1976 as well. So that sounds interesting. He <laughs> <laughs> does. So yeah, so you know, there's you know, there's a quite a few articles there focusing on on, on the classic era. So if any um, Who fans like my of, of my age group are, are whinging about the the youth takeover of Doctor Who magazine. <laughs> um, you're wrong. There's a lot of classic content. There. <laughs> there seems to be plenty, which is good. Yeah, because um, yeah. they normally do a a breakdown of a classic Who story. If I remember, it runs over sort of six to eight pages, where they look at each, where they look at a classic story in detail. They break each scene down, or or a yeah. collection of scenes, which is quite good. But I'm quite glad that they've they've stuck a load of classic Who content into this one. Yes. Uh, I think the only sort of modern bit really is. An interview with Georgia Tennant, it looks like. It uh, does actually, yes, yes. But that might even be that, cool. even that, you couldn't really say it was, it was modern. And how long ago was <laughs> Georgia Tennant in Doctor Who? So. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I might pick this one up. So I know a lot of our listeners do sub to this, or they pick it up like you and I every now and then. But uh, I would say this might be a good one, a good one to bag. Yes, it does look that way. Yeah. It does look that way. I normally get mine from from Sainsbury's. Um, which is annoying because they normally wait until about two or three days after it's come out to put it on. Um, and when I go in there, there's normally there aren't any left because I only get about three copies in. Oh, um, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll have to track it down. <laughs> but uh, talking to Sainsbury's, did you hear recently about the vinyl release that they did with Big Finish? Yes, of Energy of the Daleks. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't find um, that in my Sainsbury's either. No, me neither. <laughs> I, I did hear a lot of other people saying exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, now, and, unless they. You know, they literally flew off the shelves um, <laughs> as soon as they were put down, or they just didn't have enough. As you say, like, like with Doctor Who magazine, they had one or two copies. Yeah, exactly. And, and that yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I phoned him. I phoned him and said, uh, "What's what, talk to me, Doctor Who? Where is it? The vinyl?" And uh, the, the yeah. young girl on the phone, bless her, she didn't she didn't have a clue what I was talking about. She had to go and get someone else. Like someone, <laughs> someone is asking me about a, a record. I don't know what a record is. Is it a vinyl? Is that like a little toy? Um, so somebody oh else came God. on the phone and I said, no, an LP, a double LP vinyl. She says, I know what you mean, love. No, we haven't got any. I was like, fantastic, brilliant, oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> well, at least I understood what I was talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah, at least I didn't feel like a complete idiot, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Who, I know, um, I, I think it's a couple of episodes back, you mentioned about the, um, talk, well, what's we're talking about, Tom Baker in season 12, um, about the cinema release um, in the US and, and Canada for Genesis of the Daleks. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, am I, am I remembering correctly that you approached the BFI? Yes. About uh, whether they were going to um, show it there or not, and you got no response. Well, they are. They are showing it on the 23rd of June. Indeed. Yeah. Yes, uh, with a Q and A with uh, Philip Hinchcliffe afterwards. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. So, um, and I'm sort of lucky enough to have got a ticket to go and, to go and see that. So, oh, oh um, you got a ticket, did you? Yes. Yes. Or rather, through my my co-host, who's still a member of the BFI. Oh, nice. So he managed right. yeah, so to bag a couple of tickets. So. Do you know what, mate? It was one of those situations where, because of my day job, I have to sort of zone out from social for a little while. Yeah, Otherwise, there, I don't actually. get anything done. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I did a, a load of work in the morning, came back after lunch, fired Twitter up, and uh, yeah, completely missed it, mate. Oh, they yeah. all sold out really quick. 
They do sell out quick. I remember we when it was in the the fiftieth anniversary year, they were doing an event every month for for each doctor, right? Um, and a lot of them, um, and I purposely that's why I joined the BFI just so I could get um, tickets to these things. But it didn't being a member didn't guarantee you a ticket mm-hmm. at all. Um, you just had to go basically enter a lottery. Oh right, um, yeah. Yeah. and you got picked out. And um, sometimes we, we were successful. More often than not, we weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, the Doctor Who events, um, the last one I went to was the Sharda. Oh, was it that one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. To console with the, um, the Blu-ray and DVD release. Mm. And, um, that was, uh, that was a packed house. Yeah, it was. It was awesome, wasn't it? It was. It was really really good. Mm. Really good. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're very, very popular events. They really are the Doctor Who ones. Um, even, even though you, they book the guests and you probably heard the, them trotting out the same old stories at any convention or Q and A you do, but yeah. they still they still attract the fans there, which I think is brilliant. They do really cool atmosphere as well. There's there's something quite yeah. unique about watching classic Doctor Who in a cinema surrounded by other Who fans. It's quite a cool way to it watch is. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when when they um, released Day of the Doctor in the in the cinema, I think we we discussed this on on, that, on my own podcast um, because there seems to be a lot of cinema releases for episodes like you know season finales and mm-hmm. things abroad, but not over here in the UK. Um, and I think a lot of people say, "Oh, it's been you know pandering to the American fans and <laughs> blah blah blah." Yeah. But that's how you promote the show. However, um, I think if you keep putting it on in the cinema, it, it becomes less of a special event. I read, and I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it should only be kept for special events. Things like Day of the Doctor, what it was like, you know, it's the 50th anniversary. It's, it's an event mm-hmm. show to watch. Um, and I did go and see it at the cinema a couple of days after it, it aired on television. Right. Um, and it wasn't, a, a you know, a, a packed cinema by, by, by any stretch of imagination, but it was still full of fans who hadn't actually seen it yet. Oh, right. So you, right. Were, still, you were still getting their reactions, like when Tom Baker appeared at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and things like that, or when you saw Capaldi's eyes. Yes. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. No, sir. All thirteen. You see. It, yeah. So the, you, it's still getting gasps of wonder from the audience. And as you say, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like watching it with, with other fans. There really isn't. Yeah, it's very cool. So yeah. yeah, enjoy yourself then, Phil. I certainly will. I certainly will, and we'll, we'll probably um, sort of dis- discuss it on the on the podcast. Actually, so <laughs> yeah. I know Adam's going. He managed to get a ticket, so he's going to hey. rub that okay. in a little bit. I know. <laughs> um, I might sneak in you never know I might try and bag a ticket from well I, I wonder if I bump into Philip Hinchcliffe if, if he remembers me because the last time I met him was at the Hooverville convention in September last year I interviewed him um, for a podcast which is probably one of the most um, scariest things I've, I've ever done because <laughs> right. I, I didn't actually know I was going to be interviewing him until about half an hour beforehand so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah so um, yeah, that was a, it was a bit scary. But I had actually met him before at the Gallifrey One convention. We were on the same plane together, um, more or less, sort of sitting almost side by side. Um, then we're on the same airport shuttle bus to the hotel. Um, then I stood behind him in the queue at the hotel, and he actually turned around to me and said, "Are you following me?" And I said, well, "Are you following me?" You know. So when I met, so when I saw him, when I, I interviewed him last year, um, I said, um, "We have actually met before," and he said, "Oh, I never forget a face." So if I see him again, let, let's let's put that to the test then. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Your let's mate, do it. yeah, I'm sure yeah. I can get you a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> right, news and merch okay. that'll do us. Excellent. Do. Uh, 
So we've mentioned since the start of the show that there's been numerous things for uh, the the younger audience of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So let's continue that with something that's right up our our age group. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember when I asked you to come on the show, I thought, yeah. Jesus Christ, he's not going to be, <laughs> he's not going to be into this, I'm sure. But you're up for it, so that's really cool. Yes, yes. Yeah. I said we're doing Sarah Jane adventures, and you were like, "Yeah, cool." I was like, "Bloody hell!" Yeah, and I'll, I'll and I'll explain why when we when we get going. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Normally, I hand over to the co-host, so you can take this bit. What are we going to review this week, Phil? Okay, we are going to talk about Eye of the Gorgon. The Lavender Lawn's rest home is apparently being haunted by a nun. <gasps> Me? Doesn't Mr. Smith believe in ghosts? Not as such, and neither do I. When weirdo nuns turn up on your doorstep asking about freaky, glowing alien gizmos, one thing you never do is tell them you've got one. The talisman is dangerous. More than you can imagine. No way! Luke! The abbess will want to see you. The abbess? Luke! He's been nabbed by a nun! Really protecting a gorgon here? Creature with writhing serpents for hair. The sisters, they protect her. Now look on the face of the Gorgon and feel your flesh turn to stone. We have the key. Rejoice, sisters, the Gorgons shall be free! Oh, Mother Abyss! She's weakening. We must open the portal as soon as possible. Killed all these people, then put them on show like trophies. The Gorgon has turned my father into stone. Is there a way to save him? The talisman. It is the key to the door between this world and theirs. It returned me to flesh and blood. You got it? There's loads of them. They're everywhere. And the Gorgons have chosen a new host to lead its domination of Earth. You, Rightio. Some of those trailers always make it sound extremely. It's almost like a mini movie. It is actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, the Eye of the Gorgon. Then it was first broadcast back in October two thousand and seven. So, what's that? Eleven years ago, nearly eleven yes. years ago. Oh my God! First time gone. Yeah, indeed. It was written by Phil Ford. It was directed by Alice Troughton, and it stars the usual team um, that this uh, this show has set up. So. Uh, Liz Sladen as Sarah Jane, um, Yasmin Page as Maria Jackson, Tommy Knight as Luke Smith, Daniel Anthony as Clyde, and uh, the voice of Alexander Armstrong as the computer Mr. Smith. Uh, and this mm. story sees um, uh, a potential haunting at the local nursing home, which is investigated by Sarah and the dudes. And when they get there, they find out that it's not really a ghost that's causing trouble. It's uh, some brainwashed nuns. Uh, that are trying to get hold of this talisman uh, that will open up a portal uh, so that all the other Gorgons, parasites as they're called, can enter the uh, enter the earth and take over, etc. So I'm intrigued then, Phil. Yes. As to uh, your interest or your agreement into doing some Sarah Jane. <laughs> well, um, I'll be perfectly honest. I used to um, set my... Um, Skybox to record Sarah Jane. Okay, all right. the time. Yeah. Um, I absolutely adored this program. Oh, really? I really did. Wow. Yeah, okay. I lo- I love I love the Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, I think I was a, I'm a, a I'm a massive fan of the Sarah Jane Smith character. 
Okay. Um, and when they brought her back into Doctor Who um, with, uh, oh God, I've forgotten the name of the episode now. One with Tenham. Oh, that's terrible. Bad fan. Can't remember what it was. Anyway, um, <laughs> school reunion. That's it. School reunion. Oh, sorry. Yeah. On the main show. Yeah. yeah. On the main show. Yeah. yeah. So um, when RT decided to um, come with, with yeah, another pilot for the, for the Sarah, uh, Sarah Jane character after Kane on and company, mm-hmm. um, which was, uh, I could have put l- less than stellar, put it that way. <laughs> um, so, right. yeah. So when he int- introduced this, uh, basically as a, um, a CBBC production, um, I I watched the the, the pilot it was it was on one, uh, Christmas wasn't it uh, New it was Year's Day wasn't it um, New, New Year's Day that was it yeah, yeah. Um, and I sort of really quite um, really quite enjoyed it it seemed to um, it wasn't even from the off it wasn't seen as Doctor Who's poor cousin as I think like K Kane on and Company was right. there was obviously a lot of um, effort put into it um, to make it look as slick and and as glossy as possible. And so I was really pleased. That was uh, Invasion of the Bane, I believe, was the pilot story. That's right. So, yeah, so um, Either Gorgon is from, it's the second story of the um, of the first series. And they just sort of kept, they had a couple, of, they had a character change, didn't they? Um, because the, the Maria character wasn't in the, uh, the Invasion of the Bane uh, New Year's Day special, or the pilot episode, I should call it. It was a completely different character. Oh, it was the oh, it's her friend, wasn't it? What's her name? Uh, I know who you mean. It was um, yeah, crikey! Well, we only reviewed it recently. Um, it was uh, Kelsey, <laughs> Kelsey uh, Maria's that's it, friend. Yeah. yeah, they chopped her yeah. out, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Replaced so, um, with Clyde the male. Clyde, that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, so, but I think this is sort of the. Um, I think put, put might say it's the Luke Clyde and Rani is probably the, the classic. <laughs> on Maria was only there for it was for just one series, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, um, I started watching it, and obviously, you know, the first was Revenge of the uh, the, uh, the Savine, <laughs> um, which I couldn't really abide in Doctor Who, right? At all, but they work in Sarah Jane because it is made for, it's made for kids basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's made for a, a younger audience. And I think this, the Slovene work in that context really. So, um, so they, they kicked off the series with, with a, an already previously known villain mm-hmm. and then in, started introducing their own villains into it as well. So hence this one with, with, with the Gorgon. Um, and I, th- I, I really, really enjoyed this one because um, it kind of, wears its gothic horror credentials firmly on its sleeve. Yes. To be honest. I mean, yep. I mean, even down to the the point of actually making a reference to, to the Hammer Horror film, The Gorgon, mm-hmm. as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and I also think, importantly for a, a kid's show, and this one in particular, they don't talk down to the audience. Oh, I read you. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, in things that I mean, this particular story, they're, they're addressing things like your bro- families breaking up, mm-hmm. um, someone with like Alzheimer's, as well. Which you, um, I know, children's television is, is completely different to what it used to be when when I was a kid. Yeah, um, yeah. and I think more, you know, television for for well, I hate using the phrase young adults, um, but television for young adults, it does it does has, has to address modern issues or, or concerns mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So, which really 
telling our day didn't really didn't really do. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah, it's totally different now. And I think that's probably why um, I sort of latched on to Sarah Jane, A, because of the Sarah Jane character. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always liked Liz Slade, and, and I just think that most of the stories throughout its entire run, this in particular, I think are, are really, really strong. Um, and I actually preferred this to Torchwood. <laughs> right, okay. If I'm honest. Yeah, I, I, what, I, ne- I never miss an episode of Sarah Jane Adventures. So, um, so when you ask me to... You know, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be doing Sarah Jane, or you could do something else. I thought, no, I'd love to talk about Sarah Jane. Wow, so. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I must admit, when I, yeah, I mean, this is completely my fault. This is my, it's down to me because I thought, well, you know, Phil, I'm not, you know, he's a more mature gentleman of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. Um, you know, I'm not saying yes. you're old by any stretch of magic, nothing at all like that. I just thought, you know, I'm not going to do a podcast with a with a you know an 18 year old. So, you know, but that's down yeah. to me. That's just me being, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I thought he's not going to be up for this. That's why I gave you the option. Should we do that? Or we can just ditch that and we'll do our own thing. And you were like, no, I'm totally up for it. So um, yeah. that's really cool. And it's really interesting that you mentioned um, the uh, the way that Sarah Jane Adventures doesn't sort of patronise younger viewers or, you know, it presents itself in a way that um, everything's sort of painted by numbers. It, it actually... You know, it's it's more direct on its on its themes, and you mentioned a couple there about families having a bit of a rocky situation, yeah. and you know, elderly people with Alzheimer's and so on. And when we were younger, the TV, um, a lot a lot of the a lot, a lot of those themes were reserved really for sort of soaps for young adults. If you think about Neighbours and Home and Away, you know, they yeah. used to be on when I used to get in from high school, and mm. they were all about you know relationships that weren't working or were working yeah. or broken families you never saw it in the kind of itv cbb kind of those things you know no i, I suppose the only thing that sort of springs to mind that might have sort of addressed sort of issues that that kids were going were, were going through i suppose something like biker, biker grove. grove yes i was just about to say yeah 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 and but but to, but to put that kind of, that kind of thing into a a, a sci-fi setting yeah yeah Really, um, rather than just it's because I say it's not just pure sci-fi. That that's what drives the story along. But there's there's also what I like about it is, is the characters have their own problems and issues that also help to carry the story along. Yes, as well. Yep, that's right. You know, it's not. You know, it, I used to like you know um, those episodes of uh, Star Trek: Next Generation where it was uh, this story is going to focus on data learning to becoming human mm-hmm. and learning about emotions. I hated those episodes. Because to me, it wasn't strong. It wasn't strong enough to carry a forty-five minute um, story along. Right. right. But, but 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 with this, it's it's all intertwined, mm-hmm. and that's that's what. And Phil Ford is a really really good writer. Anyway, I've always been a big fan um, of his contributions to things like um, Sarah Jane and, and, and Doctor Who. So yeah. um, I think he's a really really good writer. So um, and I, I think he, the way he's constructed this story um, is is brilliant. I really don't. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And uh, what's cool about it is you mentioned Biker Grove, and I think their um, their purpose was to actually it it was more of an educational program more than mm. a, more than a yeah um, 
an entertainment program. I think it was its whole purpose for being on the TV was to address certain issues. Whereas yeah. that's not Sarah Jane Advent, that's not their sort of platform really to do that. It was no. more about the entertainment, you know, oh, it's part of Doctor Who and Sarah Jane's really cool. And there's, yeah. you know, there's kids, you know, I imagine because of the, the channel and how it was marketed, it, I think it was that the younger cast were meant to be relatable to younger viewers. It's like, you know, we could yeah. be adventurers and we could do that cool stuff as well. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's part of it, actually, because Adam and I were pleasantly surprised when we started reviewing Sarah Jane, because we've seen, out of all of the Sarah Jane episodes, we've probably seen about a third of those. We sort of right, dipped okay. into it over yeah. the years and watched the odd one. Yeah. Um, and every time that we've dipped into it, and especially now that we've started to review them, mm. it, it's very difficult to to find, um, not necessarily fault, but it's very difficult to to blast it in the way that we might do with some Doctor Who episodes or, you know, other things. And uh, Yeah, I, I, I don't know why that, why that is really, because um, I've always found it a bit, a bit puzzling with, with, with Who fandom, because they, a lot of people like to say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Doctor Who fan, but they do absolutely nothing but slag it off. Yes. And yep. I thought, why do you watch it? You know, um, and I think when, you're sort of watching something. Yeah, you have to be sort of. You can't just say, "Oh, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it," and you come up the next week and go, "I hate it, I hate it, I hate it." You know, there's going to be things you don't like in each story. There's going to be things you, you do like. You know, there's got to be that that balance there. Um, so I don't know why the same people could watch something like Sarah Jane and be it was wonderful. I can't find fault with it. But then watch the parent show and go, "Oh, this week was crap." You know, so got, and, it, yeah. and it's yeah. You know, I, I really don't understand why this there has to be this yin and yang all the time absolutely know? yeah you've got yeah. to i mean one of the things that we absolutely when we first started the when adam first jumped on the podcast and i yeah. first asked because i did the first few shows on my own like the first eight or nine i think by myself and mm. then after adam came on as a guest and then asked him to come back as a regular co-host one of the things because he was a bit unsure at first yeah uh, well not well he wasn't unsure but he was you know he was like well what's the What's the thing, you know, that we we do? And one of the things yeah. that we, we sort of established early on, and one of the things that people have said is, you know, although some of the stories might not be that strong in the mm. main show, um, yeah, there's always some positivity there about because we all because we we do have times when we're reviewing a show if it's not that great, we have to mm. sort of stop ourselves and say, look, you know, there are some sort of not so great bits here, but come on, let's pull out some positives, let's find some yeah. things that are, you know, that we can get into and you know it's fairly cool yeah and uh the 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 contrast with sarah jane is that i find it more difficult to find it's almost like it's the reverse with some of the weaker episodes of who it's like i find it difficult to pick out large faults with it because so far for me there aren't many <laughs> it just seems no, to yeah, be uh yeah you know every episode I mean seems to bring a strong sense of just that really cool, cool old school sort of adventure but also at the same time being sort of grounded because it's not mm. set in who, where it's always flying through space or on spaceships or anything that's far fetched. It seems to have this sort of grounded reality to it. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I suppose when um, Sarah Jane Avengers first started, I think that's what modern who, cause it only been going a couple of years at that point. Mm -hmm. um, that's really how new um, fans, to the show saw who, cause it was rooted in reality, because you had the whole Rose Tyler and her family. A lot of the stories were rooted on her. She had a, a family that rooted her mm -hmm. 
um, in back at Earth again. So, um, and I think that's the Sarah Jane Adventures, and um, particularly um, sort of this particular type of story. It just continued in that vein, where you know it just it just continued where um, like who. Um, actually, I suppose at that point, Rose Tyler was still just in the in the show. I mean, in 2007, we hadn't, hadn't actually quite got to the era of Martha Jones yet either, had we? Not quite, yeah. Not, it's still Rose, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's still Rose, yeah. So um, I, I suppose, really, if you're onto a winning formula, mm-hmm. you know, why why would you why would you break it, really? Exactly. Why would you do yeah. something different? Um, and obviously, th- this whole thing was devised by RTD, and, and it, it's got his fingerprints all over it, but... Um, I, I just think it, it works so well mm-hmm. in this as well. And I, but I'm beginning to wonder whether we're people sort of cut it some slack because, A, it's Sarah Jane. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody loves Sarah Jane. Everyone does Liz Sladen. And also because it's a kid's show. And it's made. this is made for children. It's not um, a family show. Yes, as such. maybe. Yeah. 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 I always, I, I, I generally find that when we've gone through, when we've mentioned Sarah Jane before and now we've started reviewing them, Mm. Um, when I go into it to watch it for review, I tend to, um, I don't know if I explain this the right way. I don't sort of lower my expectations because I know it's a children's show, but mm. I seem to have a different sort of tolerance for it because of its target <laughs> market. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? mean? So I think because, I mean, if I was to, um, you know, view it in the same way that when we review something from new who or classic who, um, mm. you know, that seems, I, I, I tend to make that, it sounds ridiculous, but whenever I watch those sort of the main show, I tend to make mm. it a bit of an event for me. I, I yeah. you know, I'm not one of these people that just, um, you know, casually will watch, you know, six episodes of classic who, um, mm. you know, like in the middle of the, you know, I always tend to be like, right, I'm going to set this time. It sounds ridiculous, but I'm going to set this time <laughs> aside. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to get a cup of tea. I'm going to get who on, you know, but yeah. with Sarah Jane, I don't feel that way necessarily. It's like, right, you know, I can watch this easily while I'm having my dinner. You know, it's not too much of a problem. Um, yeah. Because it doesn't really sort of tax your brain too much because of the target audience. So that's the good thing about it. It's good entertainment. Yeah. 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 I know it's like you mean. You don't have to sort of um, sort of shut the world out to watch this, really, do you? Exactly. You don't, yeah. you don't have to have that same level of concentration as, as, as perhaps you sometimes need with a. Uh, um, with a Doctor Who serial, mm, yeah. so um, but yeah, I think I think that's that's why. But I mean, I I just k- coming back for more. I never miss an episode. That's I, I really, really cool. didn't. Yeah, yeah, really, cool. really did. I, I absolutely adored it. So, um, but as I say, this particular story, I mean, you know, it's to do sort of like almost like a gothic horror <laughs> for children's television, which really we haven't really seen since, um, to my mind, anyway. Um, Obviously, I don't watch a lot of children's television. <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, you know, that kind of thing was big in the 70s. So, I mean, when I was a kid, you had things like Children of the Stones, which scared the living daylights out of me. <laughs> it right. really it was one of the most unsettling children's shows. And there was another one called um, Sky, um, as well as like a um, this sort of alien that sort of fell, fell to earth. But one of the abiding things that I remember about that, and, and again, it scared me witless, um, was he appeared out of the forest floor? So he sort of rose up like like the, <laughs> like the dead. It, it scared the hell out of me. But I'll always remember it though. That's the thing. It, it's it's always in my mind. So I'm hoping that kids when they watch this will remember the scary nuns. Yes, you know. Yeah, uh, and and the and the gorgon with the shroud over her face and all that. Um, 
Um, and I've and I've tried to introduce. Okay, my kids are, um, are, are five years old, um, and I've tried to introduce them to Sarah Jane Adventures, mm-hmm. and we've only got as far as this story. Okay, right. Because as soon as my daughter saw the Gorgon's face, that was it. She was done. She was she was out <laughs> the room. Turn it off. Yeah. She was done. That was it. Oh, so I might have to wait a couple of years before we get to watch the rest of it. But um, yeah, so. Really, I mean, for, for I think modern television is kind of scared of scaring children now. Yeah, everything's yeah. got to be safe and um, um, mustn't offend anybody. Um, and I think with, with, with this kind of thing, um, it's a they're trying to do like gothic horror for children's television, and I, I think they did it really well. Yeah. I mean, you've got the, a ghostly nun. Um, you've got this um, horrible aged. Um, creature in a wheelchair with with the with the talons or it's just like overgrown fingernails yeah. and yeah. yeah yeah really horrible looking. Um, mm. You've got the nuns driving around kidnapping children. They're driving around in a hearse <laughs> for God's sake, you yeah. know. So yeah, it's it's all there. It is all there. Um, yeah, and I th- and you know you've got the you know the magic talons. Okay, that that's the MacGuffin of the. Um, I love of, that of saying. Yeah, the MacGuffin. MacGuffin. Yeah, the MacGuffin. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I, it's it's just it's just a really really good uh, children's adventure story. Yes, it is. Yep, and uh, I I like the fact that you mentioned some of the um, uh, the shows when we were younger that used to sort of give us the willies. Um, yeah, and I'm hoping this sounds this sounds bad, but I'm hoping that there are children that that do and were scared of this because yes. it's one of those. You know, I don't mean to give kids nightmares or anything that harsh, but it is one of those sort of nostalgia things that when, like you and I are talking about it now, when they yeah. grow up and they talk about it with their with their friends or whatever, it's, mm-hmm. it is one of those elements that makes the show sort of stick in your mind. Yeah. Um, so there was a couple of things for me when I was growing up um, that used to really give me the creeps. Um, uh, there was one called um, uh, The Witches and the Grinigog. Yes, I've heard of that. Which is yeah. a, a very bizarre, strange program. It used to scare, scare the life out of me. I mean, looking back on it now, it's hilarious. But at the time, it's um, <laughs> uh, the Box of Delights was another one that was a, just a, a creepy, you know, story based uh, thing. And uh, well, yeah. we've actually we've actually made watching. Um, we, we started that a couple of years ago. Um, just thinking, would would the would the kids watch it? And we've we've made it almost like a Christmas tradition now. Is to lean up to Christmas, but watch an episode of Box of Delights. Yeah, each night during sure. the course of a week. Yeah, so and they love it. Oh, cool! They absolutely right. love it. Yeah, um, because it is it is um, it's a strange beast that that pro that, that that weird mix of you know the animation and live action and CSO and, and everything. Yeah. Um, and again, it's that it's almost gothic against you've got the using what what, what you would normally associate with um, like in this story either Gorgon nuns peaceful yeah you know meant mm-hmm. to be meant to be caring um i say meant to be um <laughs> but yeah <laughs> um but in box of delights you've got like the, you've got the vicars the priests uh-huh. yeah and, and they're, they're the most menacing threatening <laughs> creepy people you you've, you've seen in a, in a children's television serial you know? absolutely so, yeah 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 you know so um and I, I do like it when they when they do use these sort of um Sort of, you know, religious aspects and, and use it to a, to a threatening mm-hmm. or unsettling yeah. effect. 
I would say, yeah. It's yeah. All, it keeps you, you know, the, the viewers, especially younger viewers, on their toes a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah um, kids love to be scared. That's the thing. They do. They kids all know we mustn't. No, they do. Kids love to be scared, and they do keep, and they will keep coming back for more. It is a good formula. Um, another program I used to be absolutely petrified of was the Tomorrow People. Oh, the Tomorrow Bloody Hell. Yep. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it wasn't actually the program itself. It was the opening titles. I, I know what you mean. Yep. Yeah, because um, Dudley Simpson's um, theme for that is really quite creepy. And you put it together with, with the titles with that, um, the hand that comes towards the screen. Yes. It, it was yep. that that scares me. Mm-hmm. And I, and I did run out of the room when that came on. As soon as I heard the, t- <laughs> the, the music finished, I'd come back in the room again, you know, but I did this rigorously week after week. So, um, yeah, I, I love to be scared. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. It keeps you coming back for more. It's almost like, it a, does. um, yeah. like a, yeah, it's almost like a sort of a, a mini addiction, if you like. You just want to be scared. I remember being like that with the really old, um, the original Hulk series that used to be on. Um, yeah. When he used to start turning into the Hulk, before he used to have the big, before he used to turn into the Hulk properly, there was a, a scene where he just have these like really bright green contact lenses in. Yeah. Um, and that used to literally petrify me. The same as you, I used to run out of the, out of out the, the living room. room. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. then next week when it was on, I was back there on the sofa yeah. watching it and I knew it was coming. You know, you, you yeah. know that it's coming. But, you know exactly. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm hoping that kids have that feeling. Like I said, I don't wish, you know, sort of ill on kids or give them nightmares. No, but, exactly. Um, exactly. But I wish yeah. that they had that sort of element when they're watching Sarah Jane where it's like, right, they're, 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 there's going to be a, a scary bit coming up. There's going to be yeah. a scary bit. So I hope that, and I think for the most part, they achieve that. If we think about stories like this as an example, um, yeah. like you said, with the Gorgon, like the old, the really old nun um, with the long fingernails. And when they lift her, her the, the veil, the hood up, she does yeah. look pretty scary. Like when the, she, does, yeah. she pulls yeah. quite a scary face and stuff. I would be scared if, you know, thinking back to my sort of five, six year old or seven year old self, I yeah. would have been, that would have been me out of the room. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I like. They they don't pull any punches with, with that at all. No. It's not sort of they lift they lift the shroud or the veil, what you call it, um, and you you only catch a, a quick glimpse, or it's shown from a certain angle, or in shadow, or something. No, it's it's there, front and center. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I I think it's brilliant. I, I think it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and and as I say the, the thing within the old people's home as well. Um, with uh, Felida Law mm-hmm. um, as, as B, the cats with the, with the Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um, I thought she was brilliant. I, I really think mm-hmm. she, she was fantastic. Um, and they didn't sort of do, um, even at, at the you know, spoilers, at the, at the end when Maria thinks well, perhaps the talisman can cure her of her Alzheimer's. Oh, right, and, yeah. and it doesn't. Yeah. There was no, she had the happy ending um, when, when her dad was, you know, he was turned to stone during the course of the story, and that was reversed by the talisman. And mm-hmm. she was thinking, "Well, you know, we, we've got to try. You know, we've got to try and sort of save save B." Yeah, because she 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 helped me, and and of course it doesn't work like that. So what I liked, it wasn't a case of you know this MacGuffin can cure everything. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't. It wasn't a totally happy ending. You know, sort of like you know, you know, life goes on in its own weird wonderful and, and sad ways exactly yeah it's it provides yeah. that sort of emotional 
sort of structure, you know, that, yeah. you know, good, good things are built upon those um, sort of experience, life experiences, yeah. if you like. So, cause they could have played it very easily that way. They could have played it in a very light and fluffy, you know, everything's magical and brilliant, you know, and everything has yeah. a, a wonderful happy ending, like you say. So it's yeah. nice that Maria's very upset that it didn't work, but then sort of Sarah Jane's like, actually, you know, she's found peace now and blah, you know, so it does yeah. provide those yeah. more mature themes, but wrapped up in a way that a younger audience can understand. And, yeah. I, and I think the good thing about that, I mean, you mentioned um, uh, Phil Ford earlier, being a really good writer. Mm. One of the things that I think really makes this show what it is, yeah, is they didn't hire writers that specialize in writing for children's programs. Which, yes, which they yes. sometimes do with this market, this target audience, sorry. Um, yeah. So Phil Ford, before this, had written predominantly um, adult dramas. So Bad Girls, yeah. The Bill, Footballers' Wives, Corrie, that sort of thing. <laughs> he had written very much for, especially Bad Girls, that's very, very adult and, you mm. know, sort of uh, 18 rated, if you like. But then he jumps into Sarah Jane and then lands a couple of gigs on uh, Torchwood and Doctor Who. He co-wrote The Waters of Mars, which is one of the best tenant uh Yeah, stories, I, I, know, you know? I know a few people who, who don't really care for Water of Mars, to be honest, because I, to them it's it's just relentless <laughs> in, in its doom and gloom. Um, and I think if you had that every week, then fine, I think that, that those criticisms would be justified. But I think it was an absolutely rollicking story waters of mars mm, and it and yeah. it didn't let up it just maintained the pace yeah all the way through um and it is one of my favorites it's one of the, i think it's one of the best stories that they they gave tenant to do it is yeah actually i Absolutely. really do i really do so um but as you say they, they've got these writers on for um for sarah jane and i think going back to class again you had patrick ness who wrote for it he he was um, really, he, he wrote for the, you know, the young adult mm. market. Um, maybe if they'd have engaged some other writers who've written for a different target audience, maybe they could have brought something different to it. And yeah. maybe that could have got other, other, you know, audience more engaged with it, perhaps. Mm. You know, I mean, it's, it's easy to say in hindsight, but I mean, I mean, I, you know, as I said before, I enjoyed it for what it was anyway, mm. you know, so, um, but I'm, I'm, so this is what I, I liked about the Sarah Jane Adventures. They didn't treat it like Doctor Who's poor cousin. They put the same amount of effort and, and love into it. Absolutely, yes. And we commented that when we reviewed the pilot um, because it it does feel very much like an RTD era Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, when you're watching it, it's got that same. It almost feels like um, sort of both production teams were talking to each other, or they shared responsibilities across the shows because the way it's edited and put together and the way the music yeah. flows through it and because mm. russell's so great at writing good characters and setting those up it does yeah. feel like you know I, I know his sort of fingerprints were over this anyway just like with doctor mm. who but it definitely yeah. feels like that good old rtd era um programming um yes it does yeah and although the budget might not have been quite as much as the main show you can tell that they've made the most of what they have got and the production's quite yes. good and yeah um, exactly yes it doesn't feel like it's like the off the off cuts of who and just do what you want with it you can tell that it's had a lot of thought and love put into it and um yeah 
Yeah, so I'm totally with you on that one. It does feel. Yeah, like it a, does. It, it it just jumps out of the screen. I yeah. mean, it does. It does to me anyway. Um, and I think it's um, it, it's that thing because it it's I think I certainly in my day children's television if they did sort of like you know uh, serials um, sometimes they could look a bit sort of cheap looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this, no, it doesn't. It, it's slick. It's glossy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, which is what modern audiences expect these days. They they, they don't expect it. But I mean, that's the thing when Doctor Who came back. I didn't actually know what to expect. Okay. To be honest, I thought, is it going to be like the studio bound videotape thing? Um, but no, what you watch is like a mini movie each week. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, and what they're doing with this, what they did with the Sarah Jane Adventures was was try and replicate that. They had that, that mm-hmm. winning formula for Doctor Who. They and they attempt to do exactly the same thing maybe not on quite the same budget as you said but um they gave it everything they really did give it everything indeed and yeah yeah and it's and it's absolutely brilliant it really is it's very cool um what did you think to um so the um before we could just mention um a couple of the performances quickly i know we've mentioned um yeah. uh, uh uh b um and she mentions her husband uh, quite a few times um, yeah do you think that there was um, – because I quite like that they interjected some of that. I mean, this is exactly what I'm talking about when we mentioned class earlier. So yeah. with class, aside from the Capaldi um, cameo, um, yeah. everything else sort of rolled along, but with hardly any mention or reference to anything else in Who, uh, yeah. which is which is why I stand by my point of view that it really should have been its own thing outside. It shouldn't have been a Doctor Who thing mm. possibly anyway um yeah but yeah. in this th- this is a sort of thing i'm talking about so with b's character she mentioned her husband and how they used to sort of be adventurers and they went off and and did stuff and then she mm. has these like little references that they're they're subtle enough but you can't miss them either so she says you know when sarah jane and maria go to see her she's like yeah. oh you know she mentions the Santarans and they look like a giant potato and that sort of thing. You know, it's yeah. those it's those really nice little references. And it's not even from newer Doctor Who that this show is based on. You know, she's referencing no, exactly. classic Who. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love that. I love that they've inserted those little references to Who, but they don't take over the show. It's just enough there for you to sort of latch on to and think, ah, right, so she's embedded within the world of Doctor Who. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, she's I not mean, a main I mean, character. Yeah, no, I think when they did that from the off with this, really, because I mean, Sarah mentions like the uh, I think it was in the invasion of the Bane. She mentions like um, Harry Sullivan and the Brigadier. Yes, yeah, and things like that. So um, we knew who who she was talking about, mm-hmm. but um, new viewers watching watching this for the first time, just coming to this completely cold, have absolutely no idea. But it does add to the you know that Sarah Jane has got history somewhere. Yes. Yeah. You know, that, that is connected to, to, to the, to the, you know, the parent show. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what makes people like, okay, I'm going to find out a little bit more about that. Who's she talking about? So you, you go into Google, Oh, Harry Sullivan. So you start, and then, then, then you start getting into the classic era of Doctor Who. I like that. It just sows the, the seeds yes. of, yep. you know, to sort of like get people interested. Absolutely, you yeah. know, and it's and it's not in your face either. It's 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 very subtly done. She doesn't actually say Harry Sullivan. She just says Harry mm-hmm. or, or the Brig, or yeah, the brig. You know, like, yeah. yeah. And uh, and Sarah Jane's reaction to this when she says about the Santarans, Sarah yeah. Jane is she's shocked initially, 
She's like, yeah, oh, you know, you, you know the Sansarans, and mm. uh, and then that's it. That scene's done and dusted. So yeah. I, I like it. I like that it's enough for existing fans, like you say, to know what's going on. But newer fans are like, what are Sansarans then? And if on the yeah. off chance they give it a Google, and then Sansaran comes up, and it's part of Doctor Who, and end up watching an episode. That's right. And then that's yeah. it. They're in. They're hooked. You know. They're so that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know sort of like a lot of Who fans moan about the amount of continuity um, references in modern Doctor Who, um, but really, um, <laughs> I think it's. I, I, I just find it really weird because like old fans they sort of it's not referencing you know the the, the old show enough, and then when they do, oh, it's too much. And but I think, well, mm-hmm. really, that would I'm beginning to wonder would they complain about about this as well? Right. Those same people. Yeah, you know, because it is referencing classic Who. Yeah. Because uh, obviously, when the reference of the Sontarans, um, at this point, they hadn't actually popped up in New Who yet. They were still a classic a era point. villain, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, they, I, I think that's what I love about Sarah Jane. There is something for everybody. Yes. In this, yeah. I, I, I really do. Um, and I think it's only just suddenly sort of dawned on me as, as we've been discussing this. I mean, people are, you know, really excited about Jodie Whittaker mm-hmm. um, stepping into the TARDIS and saying, you know, that it's, it's the first female doctor and, 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 and so on. But um, I think if, if you watch the Sarah Jane adventures, this is our first female doctor. She, yeah. she, yeah. she, she is the doctor mm-hmm. in this, in, in all but name, to be honest. So um, that's interesting. You say that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, I really do think so. She's, she's got the, you know, she's got her, um, um, her companions. She's got a sonic device. Mm-hmm. She's got her own. I mean, basically, her attic um, with the with Mister Smith. In it, that is basically her TARDIS. Her TARDIS. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, you, you make uh, a cracking point there, um, because I think prior to this, she would always have, she would always be viewed as a companion. Yeah, and, and I think the episode school reunion that we touched on earlier was probably the best thing that could have happened for her character. Yes. Because I like that the, that the tenants doctor in that episode essentially sets this show up really because he has a conversation with her and says, look at you, you know, you're still doing it. You're investigating, you're still, you know, yeah, that's right. Doing your thing. And then that's it. That's, that's the, the little cord that you pull on slowly that yeah. you know that unravels more of her story and more of her adventures. So that's just a brilliant mind that Russell T. Davis has got, though. You know, he's got. This, oh God, yeah. You know, yeah. In his head, I mean, it's, it's all happening. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the end of that school reunion, he the doctor gives her a, a, a new re- rebuilt canine, mm-hmm. and they both go off. Always into that story, you you would assume off into the sunset. That's it, really. So it sort of kind of gave. Um, Sarah Jane and the Doctor a, a bit of closure after mm-hmm. he dropped her off in um, in Scotland rather than Croydon that time. <laughs> yeah. So um, so it just sort of sets her up. She's gone off into the sunset to have her own adventures, and then lo and behold, RTD thinks no, there there is potential in this, and and and, the, and, and Sarah Jane is a great character because I mean you know um, I think it's, it's the one. I think it's her and Ace, really, that are the characters that everybody really remembers from the classic era. If you're going to reel off the classic yeah. era campaigns, it's going to be Sarah Jane and Ace. Maybe Leela in there as well, actually. Right, right. yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And um, the other thing that is uh, 
that's quite nice. It doesn't, I think we mentioned it, but it doesn't shove the references to who down your face too much. No, it doesn't. No. And, and the, all the episodes that we've watched so far, we, like I said, we haven't mm. seen all of them, but the ones we've seen so far, I, I don't come away feeling, right, that was just a marketing exercise for Doctor Who. You know, that was, you know, those, yeah. those references yeah. are put in there for a good reason. It's to progress the story and the characters. It's not just, oh, look, everybody, we're a Doctor Who show, just in case you didn't know. So, yeah. you know, Here, here's another reference for you. Yeah, yeah, here's another one. You can always, but like one of those little, little ding timers every time you, it's, <laughs> I don't feel that way at all. It just feels like no, it's a no. natural sort of progression, really. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Same here. Uh, what did you think to, um, just before we get on to our review scores then, um, what did you yeah. think to some of the performances in this? We spoke about B. Um, what did you think to the, the, the main cast, really? So um, the main the character, the, the the leader of the nuns, if you like, she was quite a yes, forceful. Yes, she was yeah. Beth Goddard. Yeah, um, I, I think the only thing I can think of her being in was Gimme Gimme Gimme. Actually, she was one of the <laughs> the neighbours, I think, wasn't she? Um, but I, I thought on the whole she was really good. I, I suppose at, at the end, um, where where they sort of you know, start to open the portal to allow, allow the Gorgons through, she, it, it, it's it, it sort of kind of goes into slightly pantomime or, or sort of sort of like and tomorrow i shall take over the world it's, you know it's, it's, it's a bit <laughs> yeah. it does go a little bit like that but um <laughs> I, th- I think again because it is a i suppose in a certain way as i said we're cutting it some slack because it's a children's show yes yeah really you know um but to be honest you get the same sort of performance in doctor who at the end when they're, when they're summoning the, their <laughs> army from the, from the other side of the universe. You always get a bit of histrionics. So, um, yeah, it's it's not really out of place. Yeah. To, to, it really isn't. And, um, yeah, and to be honest with you, I, we've got the real camp over-the-top performances out the way. So in the previous one, Revenge of the Slovene, the school teachers, yes. they are yeah. really chewing the woodwork. So we've got, <laughs> we've got them out of the way. So this isn't too bad in comparison. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But that's why I say I think the Slovene work well as, as a, a children's TV villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they are, they are quite comical with, with the, the farting and the, and the base their look as well, really, yes. um, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so in in this, as I said, you've got the the you know um, Beth Goddard does sort of doesn't quite chew the scenery at the end, but <laughs> it start it starts to the performance level starts to to to, to rise a little bit. So um, yeah, yeah, but but it's fine though. It's absolutely fine. It's, I'm not I'm not sort of saying it's, it's a detraction from the from the story at all. Yeah, it works. Yeah, you know, um, we've got Maria's parents in this one, so they're still going through their sort of their divorce stage aren't they yeah, yeah. she's very much uh, you know she'll just land and take advantage whenever she likes he's trying to <laughs> provide some stability there's a little bit of tension there um and yeah. i think this is one of the one of those episodes where maria really feels it you know she breaks down a couple of yeah. times and i think that's what we were speaking about so they they weren't shy in coming forward with broken families and that sort of st- circumstance if you like yeah, exactly. Because I think it's the I think what they're highlighting there, and it's, it's I think it's quite important when, when sort of families split up. It's not it doesn't just affect the people, you know, the parents who are splitting up. It's it's the fallout of that, and I think this is what this was addressing. Yes. Really, it's the yeah. it's the fallout of that, and it's when um, those two people sort of do meet, but they're not together. It it must be a very very weird situation mm-hmm. for a, for a kid to be in. 
really, where they, they know the parents of, of, of they've gone their separate ways. And as Maria says in this, for, you know, it's not just a piece of paper, a divorce That's as far right. as she's concerned. Yeah. There's, there's more to it, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is absolutely right. It is, you know, mm-hmm. divorce is, or, or anybody breaking up it is more than just a piece of paper. Especially when there's kids involved, like this situation here. If she's, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah. So that's a good point. Actually, she does say to to her dad, "For you, it's the divorce is a bit of paper to say you're no longer married. But for me, yeah, I have to deal with you too, doing whatever you're Not, doing." And exactly, yeah. yeah. You you know, sort of like you know, you're still you're still my parents, but you're leading separate lives now. Yeah, and you she know, plays it, that yeah. really well, actually. The way she that, does, yeah, um, yeah. I think. Uh, Yasmin Page, I think we we mentioned this last time as well. She has a few scenes where she properly goes for it, like those scenes in yeah, this one where yeah. she's, you know, that, you know, she's had to put on this this act of being, you know, pretty upset about what's going on. Mm. But yeah, you know, you couldn't really, you know, you couldn't really take away the fact that she's really given it some in some of those scenes. She's quite oh yeah, you know. So uh, yeah, some great performances. What do you think to uh, the other two then? So we got Clyde. Uh, Daniel Anthony is playing his typical streetwise, you know, yeah. a bit of a lad. And then you've got Luke, sort of the contrast to that, who's still learning the ropes of being normal exactly. everyday life, really. Yeah, I think this is this is the, the the thing about this because this this is obviously in the the you know, first first series, and we're just getting to know the characters. And what I loved about this, as you say, Luke is still learning about things like like in this like Clive's trying to tell him, you know you don't have to tell the truth every single time <laughs> you're asked the question yeah you know so uh like he gives away about you know the thing about the talisman uh to um sister helena so um so I, what i like about it, all the characters do have their own arc mm-hmm. throughout the series yeah. so um and it continued right up to the end of series five they were still Going through their own their own character arcs, um, which I really, really, really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, I think Daniel Anthony um, as, as Clyde. I always liked the Clyde character. Actually, I <laughs> always thought he, he was he was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you know the Luke character is really good as well. I think I, I really cannot fault the um, the acting of of the of that trio of kids in this at all. To be honest. Right, because I, th- I think all of them pitch it just right. Because uh-huh. sometimes with child actors, um, they they can't always portray that emotion that's required a lot of the time. Right. Uh, right. Um, yeah. If I'm going to use uh, something in particular from from Doctor Who, actually Nightmare in Silver. Oh crikey! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now the child the child actors in that were um, I'm sorry to say were appalling. And I don't know if that was just the the, the lines they were given, <laughs> yeah. but but. To have like um, I hate you, you know that that's such a pat line to sort of like to give a, a teenage character. Of course, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but, but there's none of that in the Sarah Jane Adventures. It's fairly genuine, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think and I think the performances are genuine as well. Yes, and I think that comes down again to um, hiring writers that have had experience in writing proper dramas. You know, yeah. they're, they're not just yeah. writing kiddies programs, you know, so it, the expectation is to make it kiddie because that's what, that's the only thing that I write, you know, is, mm. you know, Mr. Tumble, whatever it might be, you know, this is, it's right. They write that stuff today. <laughs> <laughs> they've actually, they've actually got writers who have, you know, worked on storylines that are emotional and, 
you know, have sort of real life, you know, experience built into it. So, you know, the more I talk about it, the more I really appreciate, you know, the the stuff that's gone into Sarah Jane. Because I think a lot of people, they, on face value, which was my mistake earlier when I asked you about it, I thought on face value, you know, Phil might just look at this a bit of a, you know, a stupid kids show and, you know, and that's all, you know, a lot of people view it as. But when you sort of dive into it a little bit, I know I'm not saying that, listeners should you know pick it apart this much you know every time they watch it but the more you dig into it and and talk about it the more you realize just how much has gone into making and make it you know the show that it is really yeah i I think the i mean if you look at the the other spin-off show that was around at the same time was 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 torchwood and i actually i still firmly believe now the sarah jane adventures was more adult than torchwood okay in terms of its themes and yeah, because right. yeah, because Torchwood sort of like, okay, we're making this for adults. We'll just put lots of sex and swearing in it, and I there's see. more, to, right. and there's more to, um, and and to be honest, it was like, um, especially the first series, which was really really uneven. It was like a fifteen year old's version of sex and swearing as well. Um, I just <laughs> found it really 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 juvenile. I really did. Okay. Um, so they went to the extreme about what makes, well, how can we make this show really adult? Mm-hmm. We'll put sex and swearing into it. With this, Sarah Jane Adventures, which is made for children, they still got adult themes in there without reverting yeah, to, yeah. you know, the extremes of, 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 of adult themes, if you, if, you, if you take my meaning. I read you. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, things like, you know, Alzheimer's, um, breaking up of families, you, you would think, which are, which are themes throughout this story, you think, yeah, that's quite an, 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 an adult theme. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really for, for, for kids' TV or, or kids' science fiction tv series but they do it and it works really well mm-hmm. yeah. you know um it helps to underpin the characters underpin the story and it, it in place it does drive the story along as well so um yeah i i i i think it's actually superior to torchwood that's interesting you say that yeah because yeah i mean as we've gone through you've got the horror element you've got the adult yeah. themes and storylines and and how it's written but it's yeah. all seamlessly packaged into a cbbc yeah. I mean, you can't fault that, really. No, no. I, you really can't. You really can't. Um, I think, I know I'm sort of, um, I don't want to skip to the end of the, of the of the series, but unfortunately, as we all know, it came to a very sad and abrupt end. Yes. Um, yep. Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, what I was really, really surprised, and it actually sort of, you know, warms the, the, the cockles of my cynical heart, really, <laughs> was the fact that it was the absolute outpouring of emotion from young fans of Liz Sladen who mm. watched her in the Sarah Jane Avengers from, from my point of view or fans of our, you know, of, of my age, it's going to be, yeah, that Sarah Jane from Doctor Who, Liz Sladen has, has passed away. But for the kids who watch this, this is Sarah Jane from the Sarah Jane Avengers. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just say the outpouring of emotion that came out was for, yeah, that, that just proved to me what a fantastic show the Sarah Jane Adventures was, and, and really still is, really. It's it's still completely, completely watchable. It, yeah. It, even in today's uh, kids' shows that have moved on a little bit in terms of their um, delivery, you know. But, yeah. it, you know, this is – if I put this on now um, for my son – I mean, we watched this one earlier. Um, we watched yeah. this one earlier over dinner. And yeah. um, he he was asking me questions, you know, what's – you know, why has she got that thing? And, 
why is the computer yeah. talking and what are they doing and why are the nuns doing this? So even like somebody like my son, who's 11 tomorrow, and he watches like a bunch of cartoons and other TV shows that are not like Sarah Jane at all, because it's that generation, it's that era. Yeah, you know, He was still right. engaged and he was still into it and asking questions. So it's completely watchable, yeah. still, even today. It is. It yeah. really is. It really is. Um, okay. And then lastly, uh, Liz Sladen then. So would you say one thing that I said to Adam when we first started doing it is that Liz Sladen, whether you look at her in a Tom Baker story or a Sarah Jane Adventure story, she's completely yep. consistent every time. Yes, every she time. is. Yeah. Um, I think she total commitment to the, um, to the, to the story, whatever story the story was for that particular week. Um, she never, um, how can I put it? She never seemed to coast in the role. Yes. True. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It, she, she was firmly committed to it all the time. And, you know, I mean, a lot of actors to, to get up to like the fifth series or something, you should get to like series three and I'm a bit bored and I want to move on to other things as, as we know with, with the, the, you know, the rotation of, of actors who, pl- mm-hmm. who play the doctor. Yeah. Um, but no, she obviously really enjoyed making this to, to keep making it for you know for five go enter it into its fifth series, um, and there didn't appear to be any kind of um, hints that she was bored with the role or wanted to wanted mm-hmm. to leave. She she just loved appeared to love making it, you know. And, and I think the and it, as we said, obvious um, to us, what you're know, watching this, it, it's the crew of the show loved making it as well. And yes. I think that yeah. that thing kind of carries through from your lead actor. If they're committed to it, if they want to make it the best it can be, then that sort of carries the the, the, the production crew along along with them. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so I completely agree. I never ever, whenever I see Sarah Jane, I never once think, uh, you know, she's not really because a, a few times when we reviewed some classic Who, yeah, there's a couple of Peter Davison stories. Um, where you can tell that he's not really into the story too much, and he's, you can tell that in his performance. You can just, yeah. you got, you just get a feeling that he's not really into that particular script or story. Well, if you, you listen know. to any of the commentaries, if they get like him and Janet Fielding together, <laughs> you know, they, they, you know, you know, like when Edric was killed in Earthshock, they're actually trying to stifle giggles. They're cracking up, yeah. Yeah. Cracking up, in, well, <laughs> you know. So, if you look closely, you can see Sarah Sutton is actually almost laughing yeah. when she's supposed to be crying. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and when they actually sort of say, "Yeah, I was actually nearly wetting myself at that point <laughs> through, through laughter." Yeah. Um, yeah, you can tell. Yeah, they weren't really into it, and and, and I must admit, a lot of the Davison era um, serials weren't weren't that great to be to be honest. There was a a couple of good ones in there, but a lot of it was. You think the scripts were kind of coasting. I think the actors yeah, sort of yeah. kind of treated it like that as well, yes, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. But I don't get that feeling though with any of Liz Sladen's um stories. No. She like you no. said, she always seems like she's totally into it and she's committed and yeah. you can't yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's sad that it ended the way it I would just love to have seen more. You know, I'd love to have heard her yes. more some more big finish and you know, she's just so good. She's so Yeah, good. you you really did feel that she had more to give. Absolutely. With, with that character, yeah, certainly, yeah. Right, yo, either Gorgon, then I think overall it's fairly positive. We're going to go to scores, guests first okay. out of ten. Okay, out of ten. Yeah. Um, do you know what I? Um, f- actually, do you know what for me? Ten out of ten. It's a solid ten. A solid ten. Me. Wow. A solid ten. I I honestly cannot find 
anything wrong with this story whatsoever. I, 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 I absolutely loved it. I really did. Nice one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give this an 8.5. Okay. Um, and it, that sounds like that sounds a lot lower than yours, but it's not. The reason why I get 8.5 is initially I wrote down an 8, but then I thought, okay. no, I really, really enjoyed this one. It had all the elements in it that yeah. make it, you know. Um, so I gave it another score. And the reason for that is because I've got a lot more Sarah Jane to watch. Yes. So, you know, yeah. I'm just sort of, what's the word? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, from what I've been told and, you know, from what our listeners have said, you know, there is some even better Sarah Jane stories coming up around the corner. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. And there are. So. <laughs> right, cool, cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, an 8.5 for me, which is a really good score, you know, for out of 10, I would say. Um, okay. We did have uh, some listeners jump in, as we do each oh, week. good. Um, okay. We had an audio review as well. Um, this is George Puddy. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you guys are well. So, the Eye of the Gorgon. After the shambles that was Revenge of the Slovene, it was quite refreshing to have a good SJA story. I like the use of Greek mythology in this story, and the SJA team worked well in this uh, uh, story. It's nice to see Luke and Clyde taking centre stage, with Maria not having as much to do as she was featured heavily in the previous two stories. As I said, I like the use of fruit mythology in this story. It's nice to see a link to Medusa and that Gorgon uh, was a, a quite an interesting villain, and the nuns were quite uh, sinister. This lady is great as always, and overall it's a story uh, of a good quality. Uh, I give the of the Gorgon an 8 out of 10. P.S. Where the hell is K-9? I thought he would have appeared by now. See you guys next week. Thank you very much, George. Um, over on Twitter, we did the normal uh, poll uh, where we asked you guys if it was likey or stinky. And 88% of you said likey, which left only 12% with stinky. Oh, that's a, that's a good ratio, though. That's pretty good. Yeah. 88%. That's overall, that's a good Yeah. A good score. Uh, we did have a few comments on Twitter. Cindy Lou Hoovian. Uh, she said, this is a beautiful and touching story, um, uh, especially those uh, society sidelines like B with the Alzheimer's. Uh, the immense value of friends and family and the Gorgon plot is rather interesting. Uh, and the effects aren't the best, but all in all, a four out of five. Okay. Which is not too bad. Uh, Sammy Satine from Down Under, she says, I like this one. Uh, B is interesting. I like how they used the Greek mythology creature and applied some Doctor Who logic to it. Uh, I don't. Uh, I want to know what the the nuns did after the Gorgon was defeated, as serving it was their whole purpose. Also, what about the statues? Seven Gorgons out of ten. Mm-hmm. So the that's statu- a good point, actually. But the statues, yes, that's a good point. Well, just nice lawn ornaments, I suppose. I suppose so. Yes. Just leave them where they are. I suppose. <laughs> um, Sarah Louise Baggett says. Uh, this episode for me is where Sarah Jane really takes off and becomes more than just for children. An intriguing storyline full of suspense and at times quite dark, but punctuated uh, with the comedic moments along the way. All performances were delivered. Uh, thoroughly enjoyable watch. Nine out of ten. Um, and we had one more over here, I think, which was... Uh, no, we didn't. That was it for Twitter. Over on Facebook... Uh, on the official Facebook page, Charlie Turner says, uh, not standout for me in the Sarah Jane Ventures, but I'll admit it has good ideas here and there, particularly the Gorgon uh, itself being like a Medusa in a way that I love. Uh, and the cliffhanger 
where Maria's dad was turned to stone was good. 7.5, readable score. Lewis Palmer says, a story that terrified me as a child. Uh, the nuns are very creepy. It's a good story and shows what the show's got. Uh, the show's got legs and it can be pretty dark when it wants to be, which is a nice contrast to last week's episode. Uh, the actress who played um, the abess also appeared in Amy's Choice as Mrs. Poggett. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Uh, and she's incredibly effective there as well. Uh, having Alan Santa Stone add some personal mm. stakes as well. Overall, good story. Eight out of 10. Joseph Howarth, an episode that I kept watching over and over when I was younger. He says, God, I miss those repeats on CBBC. Uh, this one's pretty dark and the cliffhanger in part one was good. Um, bringing Maria um, upset and her dad uh, full circle once um, he gets turned to stone. Uh, a lot of good ideas in this one. I love how the Gorgon itself is a version of Medusa. Eight out of ten. Um, and lastly, Dean Jones says, really enjoyed this story. Really engaging towards the end, touching story. The cast are great as ever. Solid villains and has a more balanced tone than Revenge of the Slothene. My only major criticism is Maria's mother, although the payoff at the end was quite funny. Uh, 8.5. Good. Uh, so overall, I'd say fairly positive with this one. A lot of fans. Yes, I think so. Yes. Yeah. yes a, lot, a lot of love for this story. Indeed, which is good. Because yeah. um, normally... Um, we do have a bit of a swing either way. Sometimes you're yeah. a bit Marmite, sometimes you're a bit in the middle. But, I mean, overall, you can't argue with 88%. No, exactly. I think that's a very, very respectable score. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, next week, we're going back to Classic Who. It's going to be a Tom Baker story. It's the uh, the Mask of Mandragora, which is one that we put off from last month because we had to cancel week two last month. So we've moved it. Uh, forward to this one i've kept all of your reviews and everything from last month um but i will put it out on social again next monday if you want to um have a look or those of you that didn't comment before you can send in your thoughts and uh reviews on that one so the tom baker yes mask of mandragora <laughs> and, an, and another sarah jane's avenger as well in a, really yeah well absolutely yeah 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 so i'm saying that's good yeah I yeah, have, you, have, you, have you seen it before? I've <laughs> seen it. I've not seen it in a little while, but um, from what I remember, yeah, Sarah Jane was good. Yes, yes. But that's no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, before we close out, what have you got coming up on your show, if anything? Yes, well, actually, um, I think what we're doing next, we're returning to our um, Christopher Eccleston retrospective. Oh, nice, um, nice. Yeah, and we're up to um, Father's Day. Um, at the moment, so um, yeah, right. yeah. So that's uh, so that that should be coming up next on the uh, on the Who's podcast. Oh, nice one! Uh, so the most recent one is episode three hundred, and that's like a yep. sort of celebration and milestone in your in your podcast. So, um, yeah, what I shall do, listeners, is I'll put a link to um, Phil's podcast, his website, and the link to iTunes and so on. Um, so make sure you go and check out um, Phil's podcast. It's very very good. I've listened to listen to it for for years now and um yeah it does keep me company during the week um oh. when i'm working through many hours of rubbish with the day job it's oh, that's, uh, that's, thank you very much that's nice that's yeah, nice thank yeah, you it's cool. so I, i'll put a link to that make sure you go and give phil a, a subscribe and all that jazz uh, and i think we're going to do there for 189 
thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us and sticking with us for 189. It's been really cool to finally have a couple of bits of news and merch to talk about. The tumbleweed has stopped drifting past the window. <laughs> I'm not sure how long that's going to continue, but uh, yeah, it's very cool to, to actually have something to talk about. Uh, enjoy yourself, Phil, when you go to the BFI to watch Genesis. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. Not that I'm jealous or anything. <laughs> Remember to speak to your mate, Mr. Hinchcliffe. Yes, will do. I'm yeah, sure he can sneak me in if I bring him a bottle of something. I dare say. Yeah, <laughs> me, 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 me and Phil, we're dead close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, just tell him you're just going to stalk him a little bit more. <laughs> just follow him around. <laughs> uh, righty-o. In the meantime... Head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. Plus, you can link off to all the usual social stuff to give us a like and a follow. We do chat about who during the week in between the shows. Plus, we have articles that go out, etc. If you can find us on iTunes and all the other podcast networks, give us a sub on there so you don't miss a show when it goes out on the Friday. And uh, if you're an iTunes listener, if you could spare a minute for a review and a rating, that would be awesome because that really helps. Uh, my co-host, who is not with us today, give him a firm mention as always. He runs his own YouTube channel, The Geek's Handbag. Uh, does loads of unboxings and reviews and all sorts of geek nonsense over there. Uh, you can give him a sub on that. And he's also on all the socials, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Next week for episode 190, as I said, it's a Tom Baker story, The Mask of Mandragora, so get your DVDs out or whatever else you've got. Maybe you've got a VHS, who knows? <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of you out there who still have the VHS. Yes, there must be, there must be, keeping the, keeping that, that, carrying the torch for VHS. Absolutely, yes. Let's get the top loader out. <laughs> um, so we'll be asking you for your reviews on that so uh, and I'll keep the ones that you did previously so anyways until next week my name is Gary and my name was Phil and give me an Alonzi Phil Alonzi Alonzi